It's Golden Hour Adventure Time, featuring everyday people doing extraordinary things. From the peaks of victory to the valleys of defeat, these are their stories. Now, from the back of the pack, your hosts, Justin and Robbie. Welcome to Golden Hour Adventures. Today we have, you guessed it, another ultra runner, of course. (laughs) But before we jump into the podcast, I just want to say that if you're one of the two listeners, not including myself and Robbie that have listened to this episode, please go on. Or the guest. <laughs> or the guest, yeah. We always get three. Three people listen to the podcast. It's the guest, Robbie and I. Those are our downloads for the week. Please download the episode. Uh, just listening to it doesn't help. Download it. I'm telling you. I'm telling you to download it. Download the episode. Uh, go into Apple Podcast. Um, if you're weird and have an Android, go to Google. Podbean, I don't know, wherever the hell else this thing is advertised. Spotify. Spotify, yeah. Let's compete with Joe Rogan on Spotify. Let's get our our four listeners. Because my my mom downloads it too, so let's be honest here. (laughs) I need to tell my mom to download it. Yeah, there you go. Damn, dude, your mom's not downloading it yet? (laughs) That could have been another potential we had. Right. Please go on to any one of those um, 17 different places that we advertise or we put our podcast out and leave us a review. Uh, by you leaving us a review will help the algorithms that are out in the cloud somewhere, whatever the cloud means. And it will drive another, <laughs> one other person to our podcast, I think. So uh, you can follow me. Uh, I forgot my name. Running in Stash on Instagram. I post some stupid shit. Uh, Robbie posts like motivational stuff. And my mic is like dying for some reason. Uh yeah, Robbie posts like motivational stuff. Robbie, where's your what's your tag? Runs Hills 605 on Instagram. And then of course, Golden Hour Adventures Podcast on Instagram. Follow us there for all the weekly updates of who our fantastic guests are. And speaking of fantastic TikTok guests, coming soon. Oh, TikTok <laughs> coming soon. Yep. TikTok. Nice. About to get in there, start making fun of people. It's coming. Tell us who you want us to make fun of. <laughs> we actually have some really good ideas. It's going to be great. <laughs> going to be a bunch of back of the Packers getting, you know. Can we? Should we give them a hint? We should. If your shoes cost $375. <laughs> All right. All right. That's enough. <laughs> Speaking of fantastic guests, uh, before we get and start just going down a rabbit hole, we have a guy who ran his first ultra marathon and has probably the best stories that I've ever heard. As soon as I heard these stories, I was like, dude, this guy is like golden hour adventures. Perfect. I don't even know if there's a word that you could put into that. He's perfect for golden hour adventures. Literally ran a 50K and had the best time. I'm sure he's going to tell you a different story about it. And even got (laughs) a crown put next to his 50K. And so we'll let him tell you about the crown. But welcome to the podcast, John. Hey, nice to meet meet you, Robbie. And it's always good to speak with you too, Justin. So thanks for the introduction. Yeah, it was a pretty pretty shitty introduction. But there there you go. That's about the... uh, (laughs) That's about the quality of what you get on our podcast. <laughs> awesome. That's good stuff. I'm really intrigued about the TikTok shit. Uh, yeah, it's going to be, uh, we're kind of brainstorming. So probably when this podcast out comes out, we'll probably already have been kicked off TikTok. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we, uh, 
I don't know, a couple back of the Packers. Well, I'm not back. I'm back of the pack. Robbie's definitely not, but our claim to fame is going to be back of the Packers making fun of the front of the Packers. So just, uh, if you know anything about ultra running, you, you know, you'll, you'll definitely know who we're talking about when we're making yep. fun of these people. It's going to be fun. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> but, uh, so introduce yourself, man. Uh, who are you? Like, how'd you get into running? Let's hear the backstory. Okay. Yeah. So, um, my name is John Bannister. I think you guys obviously already said that if I didn't remember, sorry. Um, anyway, so I'm John. Um, I ran as a kid in high school. Um, I was really fast. Uh, my fastest mile time was, uh, like 443. Damn. I had horrible grades. Um, my dad <laughs> had to tell me that I had to get over a C to be able to compete. And I knew that wasn't happening. So I was kind of irresponsible and didn't do any homework. Um, got horrible grades, didn't run. I didn't realize how fast that actually was. Um, I come from a family of runners. My grandpa was a cross country and track coach um, for years in the Chicagoland area, had lots of success with um, coaching kids. Um, and my dad competed and ran and ran in college as well. Um, and so they always threw around these times and I wasn't aware of how fast I was. I knew I was decent. Um, but yeah, so I ran, but I stopped competing in high school, probably my freshman year. Um, and then also played basketball and a couple of other sports, but I always loved running cause I was fast. I was good at it. Um, and I just loved being outdoors. We lived in Northern Wisconsin all the way up on Lake Superior, um, gorgeous area. Um, coming from the Chicagoland area as a kid, it was like, we lived on 168 acres, um, lots of training done and like snow drifts and things like that. So anyway, that was, that was my, should have been doing like the, what's it? Steeplechase. Is that what it is? That Where they jumping over the snow snow drifts. Like you figure like you'd be good at hurdles or. <laughs> yeah, pretty, well, pretty much like it's funny. Cause like, yeah, like, and out there where, the wind just blows like off the lake, you know, you can get some really high snow drifts. So, um, yeah, high knees really good. for that. <laughs> anyway. Um, so that was introduction to running. Um, then in adulthood, I went to college, my parents separated, went to college, finished my shitty high school years, um, somehow made it to college got out of school and started a family early. So did the whole family thing. I still competed in sports, um, like adult softball, which is like a bunch of drunken men just uh, having a good time trying to hit a softball. Um, so that was, that was the extent of my athleticism <laughs> and then uh, basketball. Uh, but then I got in a really bad car accident um, in 2011 when I moved to Utah and um broke my wrist my um uh hip my everything on my right side was pretty much broken my brain um bruised lungs broken hand on my left hand um and i was in the best shape of my life back then um but i got in this horrible car accident that kind of like turned my whole life around upside down i should say um and so through that whole time, um, I don't know how far I should go on this. Go for it. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. So, um, so yeah, I had the car accident. Then right after I had the car accident, I went through a divorce. And at that time I had full custody of my kids. 
at that moment in time, I had two. Um, so I was trying to balance taking care of myself, um, trying to take care of my kids and um, my health and everything. So I was trying to get to work as fast as I could to put food on the table. So I didn't really do all the physical therapy things. Actually, they didn't really suggest much physical therapy back then. Um, but I probably went to work too soon. Um, I then ended up getting an office job. So I wasn't as active and I started packing on weight like crazy. Um, cause I was just running nonstop between kids and life and all of that. So that went on. So that was 2011. That went on for, when you said you packed on some weight, like what was your, what was like starting weight Yeah, from so, that? And then like, what did you pack to? So my starting weight, if you don't mind me asking, I know. No, it's... no, no. It's all part of the story. Like it's good. Um, so my starting weight, um, was, uh, when I moved to Utah was like 165. Oh, okay. Um, my ending weight, this is what's crazy and baffles my mind. And we'll have stories about this with the race. I ran the race at 261. Wow. Yeah. So it's pretty, pretty incredible because I thought, well, we'll get to that when we get to it. But, um, that, that piece of my life was really hard because I always knew fitness and I always knew being in shape. I never knew not being in shape, trying to get back into shape, which is, um, things that sometimes you look at people and you're like, dude, just fucking put the donuts down or, you know, like, go yeah. around working. Yeah. I didn't realize the mental part that would go along with that and just the stress of life and all that stuff. So, so anyway, um, uh, had the car accident, um, get a different job, office job, packing on weight. Um, through that process, I, uh, tried some different things. Like I did CrossFit and all that stuff and told everybody I did CrossFit too. Cause that's what you do when you're in CrossFit. Um, so, <laughs> you become a vegan as well. <laughs> no, no. So I didn't do the vegan thing, right? You got to do paleo first. Oh, that's right. You do the paleo and that leads <laughs> so to the you, vegan. So you read Sisson's book and then you have yep, a, yep, and yep. You're a doctor for yourself. And yeah, I went that whole route and everybody knew that I was CrossFitter, right? Um, did you buy all the shirts? I have like one shirt and I wore it like once and like everybody's like, Oh, you do CrossFit. I'm like, well, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. The so, rogue the rogue shirt. Yeah. So the rogue shirt. I got the rogue rack downstairs. I got all of it to the nines, right? <laughs> <laughs> um so um so I did that. Um and I and I was recently divorced. So that's where I spent most of my time was in the gym when I didn't have my kids just working out. And so I was starting to get better and getting healthier and things like that. It just hurt. Like I always felt like I got hit by a ton of bricks the next day, probably cause I was doing CrossFit, but um, also cause my <laughs> body was completely rehabbed, right. Um, properly, I don't think. And it was very discouraging. Um, so then uh, switch from that. Then I met my wife. Um, she is, it's a funny story there. She's from Southern Illinois. Well, she was born, her dad went to Southern Illinois University. My dad went to Southern Illinois University. They're like two years apart. She was a military brat. That's what brought her out here to Hill Air Force Base. Um, and I met her here. 
but our life and upbringing was a lot the same, which is hard to find in Utah when you're not from Utah. You're like, what? Like, this can't be happening right now. <laughs> um, so, so I met my wife there and then um, up here and then ended up getting married. And we have a blended family now um, of a total of five kids. Um, wow. Which is a lot. I tell everybody we have five kids, so my neighbors will talk to me. Um, so that I can be so you feel perfect in Utah with the five kids. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I'm from Provo. I have five kids. I have blonde hair. I have a lot of good things going for me. Yeah, you're um, golden. Yeah, it is yes, I am golden. Um, so anyway, and my daughter has blue eyes too, so that's good too. Perfect. Anyway, um, so yeah, I met her. And that was amazing point in my life because I didn't realize you could have a relationship with somebody that was like supportive of like, we're very supportive of each other. Like we want to go after goals or anything like that. We just figure out what it's going to take to do it and we make it happen. We do the same thing for our kids. Uh, she loves the outdoors. I love the outdoors. It was, it was pretty cool. Um, so then fast forward a bit. So I'm still at this job that I'm just, existing at I do really well but um, I'm not taking care of my health running kids all over the place making them the priority being in a um, split family sometimes it can be distracting where you think that you gotta like overperform being an extra good dad because you want your kids to have a good experience because you know it's kind of shitty what they're going through um, so I overcompensated taking care of everybody else and not myself um, which was a hard thing to face when I finally hit that wall. And I would say, I think it was 2017 or 2018. I really was just trying to find myself again. Cause I, once again, I made everybody else a priority. And then I met my very best friend, sketch Diddy. Oh, um, sketch. <laughs> guys had on a podcast. Um, I think the last one. How'd you meet sketch? So we um, went to, uh, we happened upon the same church that we were going to. And at that church, it was non-denominational church. I didn't want to be a part of religion too much because I had a really bad, well, I had an interesting upbringing around religion. This place um, seemed more of an accepting place. It was important for my kids to be around people with other belief systems than the culture at hand. So I went there. Sketch ended up being there at the same time, and he ended up being, um, uh, we started like, like this men's ministry type thing, but it wasn't a traditional ministry as other places would do it. It was just where men would just do life together, talk, share stories, shoot the breeze, like no expectations. It was really cool. And so Sketch kind of headed that up for a bit, and um, that's where I met Sketch at. Well, at that time when I met Sketch, he was um, on this ultra running journey and he was on his own health journey at the time. And um, he, of course, had no interest in me because I was just married to the military person. So I was just the, uh, what, depend upon us or whatever they called him in the military. <laughs> right? um, so so um, his view was he had more interest well that's funny he'll that'll make him giggle so he had interest in my wife not me right? <laughs> <laughs> but not really but not really that way just interested to hear a story and he's like well who's this you know punk that's riding her shirt tails right that's the veteran in the family so long story short um that was first introductions but 
I really related to a lot of who Sketch was and what he was about. Um, and then he ended up being on this running journey and he was coming up on his first 50K. He was all about ritual. I think Goggins was the first one. So he got on the, the Goggins kit. The Goggins journey. Goggins book, right. <laughs> and so we were both carrying boats together through the wilderness. <laughs> But anyway, like like Sketch was carrying my boat, and I was I was I was taking care of his paddle. But like, just kind of really opened up this whole new world of running in a way that I didn't understand it. I knew running from you run, you run fast, you don't stop, like start to finish it was all about running the whole time you know and and competing that's how i understood running to be and here's this guy that is a marine that's out frolicking in the wilderness um for ungodly amounts of time having this real connection to just you know the environment and outdoors that i was like dude this is something special i only I only know sketch through a little box in the like phone or, you know, computer through zoom, but like, I can only imagine sketch is out frolicking in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> that was like a perfect example of sketch. Yeah. I can honestly, I, know I can see yeah, that. Like having, you know, an interview with him and then like, you know, we, we almost talk almost every week, but it's like, yeah. I can only imagine that sketch is frolicking in the woods. That's a perfect example. <laughs> yeah, well, anytime Sketch and I are together, I mean, Coach always, Coach always jokes about it, but like we always come up with some real stupid shit to do, and it's hilarious. But um, <laughs> so it was like love at first sight when when Sketch came into my life. Um, but the thing is, is he was so he's on this ultra marathon thing, and he was doing everything backwards of how he would do it. Now he was like, oh, I got to get ready for an ultra, so he was running as many miles as he possibly could muster you know, to get prepared for his first events. Um, I think he ran two ultra distances beforehand and ran, <laughs> like, ran from his house. He like ran from his house all the way up to one of the snowbird resorts or almost up that way from where he lived, which is on the other side of the lake. How far is that? I have no idea. Well, it was a 50 K. Oh, so he ran a 50 K and prep for a 50 K. That's smart. Yeah. <laughs> But but the funny thing is, is he did that and it was like huge elevation change too. Like he was starting from, you know, 5,000 to whatever. And that was his first time ever running that distance. Um, so that's right at the time that I was talking to sketch and we were at one of the, like, we were at one of these men's activities or whatever. And he was just kind of telling me like how he approaches different things. And I, I remember saying to myself, or no, I told him, I was like, dude, that's the way I used to live my life. Like just live my life unapologetically, like didn't give a damn what anybody thought, um, really went after my goals, hopes and dreams type thing. Um, and we had this kind of conversation around that. And then he said something to me that was probably really nice, but that's not what I heard at all. All <laughs> I heard was like, then fucking do it. Like what, like what's holding you back. Right. And so after that, uh, time meeting him and having that connection. I texted him right away. I knew he was having a Ragnar coming up. Yeah. And I hadn't run since I hadn't run at that time since probably 
I don't know, 10 years or so, like in any sort of event. And this I was is that this is around the 2016, 2017 when you're like 260. Yeah. Or yeah. maybe even heavier. Well, yeah. I no, I would have been under that actually. That's what's okay. I would have been at like 245 right now. Okay. Or at that time, right? Not so that I, weight is a thing, but I just want to, you know, just kind of, you know, like you're you're starting your journey and type thing. So yeah, no, totally. So I started my journey at probably like 240 or so. I'm basically like leading into you weren't like the physique of an athlete like you had been Absolutely. in your own mind at a 165. Not that yeah. the physique of an athlete is not 260 because I'm a heavy runner too, so... No, absolutely not. And so um, that's where I was at. And I knew he was running this Ragnar and I knew he was looking for people on his team. And I sent him a message. I was like, hey, bro, like, I know you're looking for people to run in this like trail Ragnar. I want to be on your team. If I have only one date that won't work. So just let me know the date and I'll be there. And I'll put in the training and do the work, you know, to do this trail Ragnar. And he sends me back the fucking date and it's the exact date that I can't change. Cause I had like my aunt coming in or whatever. And I was like, fuck this shit. Like I need to, I need something as a staple to, um, start my running journey, but really take care of, make myself a priority again. And it just so happens that one date was, um, I think the seven year mark or yes, the seven year mark from when my car accident was the exact day. So I'm like, dude, let's do this. Let's just put an end to it. And so that would have put it at 2018. That's when the event was. But I started probably eight months beforehand training and all of that. So that's where I got started in all of that. Um, I don't know how much further you want me to go. Go as far as you want to go, man. Let's go down this rabbit hole. All right. Let's, let's do a Facebook dig. <laughs> the, the deeper the better right remember back in the day when you used to get on facebook and you just be like oh i know that person and before you know it you're like 17 people in <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. who are these people i'm looking at like i gotta stop yeah. them i'm three hours into the facebook stock it's like we could all be private investigators now <laughs> as long as facebook's there yes. <laughs> Also, while we're on that topic, like if you're on Facebook and then all of a sudden you're with someone and then you're all of a sudden not like, we want to know the story. Just go ahead and tell us. Tell <laughs> us you guys are splitting up. What happened? I want to know. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, you should just display that right out there. On your right, I mean, if you're, right, you're yeah. if you're displaying all this PDA all over Facebook and then all of a sudden it's not there anymore, like uh, we got yeah. questions. <laughs> and, and, it's like, and it's just like pictures of your dog. Or like, yeah. or, or like, or like quotes of being alone all the time, like not staying alone. It's like, what the fuck? Like, oh, I got. As soon as you said the dogs and the being alone quotes, like I had so many people just popped in my mind. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it happens all the time. It literally, and I feel like it's this passive way to like be a magnet, but not be a magnet of like, hey, give me some sympathy conversations or something. I don't know. Anyway, okay, cool. So down that rabbit hole. So we have the Tetons coming up. So this is good because with Ragnars, if you guys have run Ragnars, you come up with a team name, right? Do you get, do you guys know what the Tetons, you know what the Tetons, why they're called the Tetons? I actually, I don't. So I did do I. it's like the three breasts basically is the yeah. <laughs> So we called our team name, the, um, the moist Tetons. <laughs> that was how we started 
this magnet. Uh, the word every girl hates. Yes. And, and the thing is, is they read it out over the intercom, right? So we're going to be the moist teacher. <laughs> Hopefully get some t-shirts going or whatever. Um, Sketch introduced me to his buddy, Brandon. Um, and there was a couple other uh, of Sketch's buddies that he's run with too that were amazing. But Brandon was like really spearheading the whole frothy Teton, or no, the moist Tetons. And we got an email back that's like, hey guys, like we know you guys think this is funny, but nobody's gonna read this name out over the internet. <laughs> we're like, what the fuck? Like serious? Like there was some real thought that went into this. Anyway, so then we had to go back and forth. So our team name ended up being the Frothy Tetons, which we thought was just as good. same difference. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> how is that acceptable? But not. <laughs> <laughs> it's just weird how people's brains work but anyway so we were the frothy tetons going into it <laughs> um and um i was putting in the work so at that time my buddy sketch um kind of put out a running plan for me of what to do um i'll never forget it he literally is like this was literally the most depressing point moment of my life he's like well let's just like figure out where you're at like go run like um 20 minutes and tell me how far you get or something like that, right <laughs> and like just to like get a gauge of where my fitness is at and and it was crazy because in my head like i have never just ran for time till like at all for like since like 2004 or 5 or something like that right and so I go to do this and it took me forever. Like, I think you might've said even run a mile. I'm not sure. And that mile might've taken me 20 minutes. And I remember getting to the half mile time and I'm like, this is double what it took for me to do like a mile before. And that was weird. Cause once again, like I never dealt, I've never dealt with the mental blocks of the running and the fitness side because I was always in good fitness and good health. I didn't know what that other side looked like. So anyway, we mapped out a running plan. And I think I started out literally doing a half mile on my short day, um, a mile and a half or something like that on my midday and, or maybe just a mile and a mile and a half, a mile on my midday and a mile and a half on my big, uh, big day. That's where I started. Um, I did that religiously on flat surfaces for, the whole time. I mean, we built up, I think 10% each week, um, going into the Tetons and, um, I'm like, yes, man, I put in the work, like, let's go do this thing. Didn't run on trail ever. Oh, wait, wait, no. Sorry. I might be getting, yeah. So I was already in motion to do this. That's right. And then sketch was scheduled to do his first 50 K at the same time. So I was training for this Ragnar race. And Sketch was training for Speedgoat 50K in, in Utah. Speedgoat 50K was um, one week, and the next week was our Ragnar. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so this was probably one of the hardest 50Ks out there. Yeah, so this, <laughs> this is just setting the stage of, like, of like my coach Sketch and me and where we were at in our running journey <laughs> and how responsible we were and all such things. But so anyway. Um, so I was just going to run this Ragnar. What got me set into ultra, um, was the 50 K. So sketch just threw this crazy idea out there. He's like, Hey man, 
And I think he admits now afterwards, and hopefully I apologize beforehand if I'm speaking out of turn, but I think he really was like, hey, I'm doing this thing that's really cool. And it's just going to be me up there. It'd be really nice to have somebody that's actually witnessing what I'm doing or, you know, be at the finish line or whatever. And so he just threw this like event out to me and I knew nothing about ultra marathons at that time. So I did some quick research and then I saw that you could volunteer for the event. So before I've ever run my first ultra or anything like that, I'm like, well, heck, I'll volunteer. Then I can see him on the course. And so I volunteered for the Hidden Peak Aid Station, which was at the top of um, the top Snowbird. peak or whatever at Snowbird. Yeah. And um, and connected with uh, Cheryl, Cheryl, Carl's wife, Carl Meltzer's wife. And she got me all set up to volunteer. The other thing is Sketch was all like excited to shake Carl's hand at the end of the race. Like that was a big thing for him because Carl's like the goat ultra runner and all this stuff. Right. Well, the funny thing is, is I signed up to volunteer. I was right by Carl the whole time, and I didn't have to run a fucking race. I'm like, you know, having the time of my life. But anyway, um, so that was my first introduction to an ultra was that invite. I was locked into um, uh, volunteer at the race. And um, Sketch and I, first ultra experience for both of us you read all the stories in the book, like born to run, all that stuff. I already did that. So I already got a taste in my mouth of like what this ultra scene is kind of like, and it sounds exciting, whatever. But then we're, we go check in our rooms for the race. That's the next day. We go to sit at this bar and here's this guy all tatted up. He's got the like long hair. Looks like the experience, like um, ultra running dirt bag, like, lifestyle dialed in and we're like oh dude this guy is somebody special right like we're we're just like geeked out of our minds because we don't even know what this ultra running community or anything like that is and that happened to be a guy named chris cargill um and he was telling a story after story after story of all these ultras and everything that he's done and it was just awesome. I love the community. I love how he was engaging with us. We didn't know, we didn't know shit about ultra running. And it was just cool that he was spending this time talking to us and taking lots of shots before he was about to run. Um, <laughs> kind of concerning, but um, anyway, that is where the birth of ultra showed up for me. Um, and of course there's sketches race and all of that stuff. I don't know that we need to get into all of that because sketches probably already talked about it. But that's where I was first exposed to Ultra. Nice. So you came out and after that first 50K and kind of getting your exposure to it, you you went out and paced and crewed for Cocodona for Sketch, right? So I have been there for... So after that, I became Sketch's crew chief. There was kind of um, like really good stuff that I learned just from volunteering at the aid stations of how people troubleshoot problems and all that stuff and helped um, work sketch through that 50K. Yeah. And on, I've, I've crewed him for every race except for like his 100K. Okay. Moment, momenta, uh, monumental race. So I was there for his Pinhoti 100, yep. Cocodona 250, and then um, our buddy Ryan's Cocodona 250 as well. I've crewed for all of those guys. Oh, perfect. Sweet. 
what was it like uh what was it like crewing a, a 250 miler as opposed to like a pinholdy 100 miler oh my gosh so like i volunteered for or i crewed cocodona 250 first and then i crewed that was ryan's race yeah i crewed okay. ryan's race first it was night and day different the 100 mile is like a sprint you've got like six seven miles in between each time you're seeing the person maybe yeah. max of 10 so it's like you're a sprint you're not sleeping at all you're not really taking care of yourself either so it's like <laughs> it's... it's just like a party to the finish right um uh Cocodona, um is special first off i didn't know ryan i knew ryan i've had phone conversations with him we interviewed him on a podcast um before crewing him for Cocodona, but but ryan had never had crew before yeah and he never run 250 miles so it was like there was all kinds of rookie shit going on between the three of us. <laughs> and and I'll never forget it. Like crew and Ryan, he gets to the first aid station. He packed his whole vehicle. We didn't know what was in his vehicle or anything like oh, that. Oh my God. We didn't know what was going on. And literally I have him set up with like ramen and shit, like whatever. Cause we had bad reception where we were first at in crown King um, aid station. And Ryan gets up there and he's like, Hey, like, Grab my, can you grab some cereal? I'm like, you have fucking cereal? Like, where's your cereal? cereal? <laughs> like, and, and we're like, we like got him like premier spot, like with the tent and everything, like close by the trail, but the car is parked like a mile away. Oh like, my God. Like, where the fuck is your cereal? He's like graham crackers and, and whatever. He's, he's uh plant-based or whatever. So he's like, uh, I forget what milk he drinks. Anyway, flax oh, milk. No. And I'm like, what the fuck? And he's like, it's in the cooler. So that was like day one crewing Ryan. That was an experience. Um, but then we we had time to make adjustments and figure it out. And yeah. you couldn't have done that on the 100 miler. You would have been like shitting bricks. Like, what the fuck? Like, um, but I feel like I, on all my hundreds, I've always just like thrown wrenches at my crews. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, sketches Pinhoti. I loved the 100 miler because like we had it dialed in where I was like, I have the replacements for your pack. Like there was a time where he was worried about cutoffs. I'm like, you're not stopping at an aid station. Like I'm literally just giving you what you need on your pack. I'm walking you out and you're going. Yeah. And he like passed, like, I want to say like 80 people on the back half of his hundred miler just from not stopping at aid stations and just. That's awesome. Them out. And so, That's awesome. yeah, there was some pretty cool stuff that I learned between the two. Definitely. Coca Dona, you get to take breaks and eat some epic food and all that shit, and like hope to God you get to your runner in time. Yeah, but you have hours in between your runner at Coca Dona, like oh yeah, like well, seven well, eight hours, right? Because you're, yeah. you're not seeing them. You're seeing them what every twenty miles, thirty miles? Yeah, something like that. But like it all depends with Coca Dona how they do the course. Like there's some spots that you got to drive out to the middle of nowhere, and so like you're on all these like rugged terrain and you don't have phone reception and stuff like that. There was a moment where we thought we saw UFOs, but they were really fucking Starlink going up from Tesla <laughs> or whatever. And everybody was like, you saw this line of like 30 objects all in a straight line. And you're like, I'm not really fucking seeing this. Are you fucking seeing this? <laughs> Ryan flat out told us, he was like, dude, if I didn't have a pacer, I would have turned around and went back because I thought I was hallucinating. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine how that'd been terrifying. You're out there in the, the desert by yourself and you see yeah. that <laughs> for, for days, like for days, <laughs> not just, like, for days. Yeah. that wasn't day one. Like, 
Well, let's get in your side of the story of things like what what made you like I guess you got the bug because you crewed, you paced, you you volunteered, and you're just like, screw it, let's uh let's run one of these things. Like what made you decide to run it and tell your story of that? Yeah, I mean, ultra running for me, like the community is like church for me. I don't like oh, I wouldn't even say that. I it's just like a band of brothers and sisters that like the crew that I hang out with, it's not about, it it is the back of the pack finishers. I mean, some of them are really good runners, but you wouldn't know. They're not always talking about being and all that stuff. It's like, that's the big difference between road and trail. I feel like, like you'll have runners that are like really good and, and can compete, but you, you'll never know until you get on the race or get in the race. And you're like, Oh dude, that case in point, like Robbie, Robbie came out and gaslighted us for like five months. Like we had never met this dude, like started running with us in April, like just ran with us, like us, meaning the back of the Packers, you know, I mean, we were running decent runs, like 20 milers, you know, on trail and like didn't know anything. And then we go to our first race in like August. So this is from April to August. And all of a sudden Robbie's out there just like killing it. We're like, what the fuck just happened? Like this dude's running. <laughs> We're back here walking. This is what we do, Robbie. We walk. Like gaslight. He got second place in that race. And we were like, dude, Holy what the heck? What? Like what happened? Like, oh my gosh. We all got it was a it was a 12-hour night race. We all like most of us got 40 something miles. Robbie did 52 miles. And so like he did yeah. 10 more miles than anybody else in our group. And it's like, bro. That was a lap because it was eight mile lap and he did a lap and a half. And I was like, that's, uh, that's not who we are. Why'd you, why'd you do that to us? <laughs> but we never would have known. Cause he's just a typical trail runner, you know? And so like, I feel like you're absolutely right. Not, not bashing road runners, but at the same time, bashing road runners. It's kind of like, yeah. what, what's your pace? Like, I don't know, like 15 minutes, who cares? <laughs> yeah. So like, what's interesting is, so I have volunteered at the Speedgoat 50k race every year since sketch ran it. Nice. Once again, there's Carl that's got more buckles than like, yeah. he knows what to do with. Right. But if I didn't know Carl was Carl, I would have like, I never would have thought he was this elite I, I wouldn't have known he was some elite <laughs> Justin splashing off his buckles. <laughs> but um, but no, like, I mean, he's kind, he's nice. They're giving input, insight, telling all the stories of their race, telling what's true about their documentary, what's not true. Like when he's like hammered on just Red Bull and chicken wings or whatever for the Appalachian <laughs> And I'm like hearing all this stuff and they're just treating me like a human being. And I'm like, man, that's fucking incredible. You know? Yeah. And, and he shakes hands with every person at the race, but he does that because he puts on a show for the runners. Like he's giving them an experience and we're all in this together. That was the vibe that I got from day one. And then I got hooked up with uh, Chris Cargyle and Sketch and I all met at the bar at Speedgo. Chris has been like all over the nation, like volunteering at races um, and helping out and just telling all of his stories and, and, like whenever I go see him, we go for runs. I'm slow as hell. He's like, Hey, let's go do this. Um, course. It's really good. It's not like too technical, but it's technical enough. And I'm like fucking dying on the thing. I'm like, that was the worst <laughs> experience ever. And I'm like heaving. And we might've, we might've had, shared some drinks the night before. This was a long time ago. 
um, and I didn't eat breakfast and I didn't have Eve as a coach. So like, why not go run six miles until like, you know, noon and then you're dehydrated and then go rehydrate with margaritas. And yeah, it's just a really cool experience where everybody can show up just as they are for at least my tribe of people that I'm with. Yeah. And everybody's working through their own stuff, but everybody's kind of supporting one another. So that's what got me into it. That and and from observing that from the outside, I was like, man, I really got to get one of these for myself. Um, and two, I see the runners from a different side. Like I've crew, I've I've done all the nitty gritty stuff. I've watched Sketch's feet. I've taken care of all of his fucking blisters. Like I've seen when he takes shits that are as big as my fucking arm on the trail. <laughs> it's like, how can you do that? Like eighty miles in, right? Um, but you see all this and and there's a part of it that's like, what is it really like out there? You know? Um, and then of course the end celebrating once your friends accomplish something epic, it's like, man, like I want to go and get my own, you know? So that's, that's what really put it in the coffin for me that I wanted to uh, go do that. I feel like the celebration thing is a big one too. And that's like, everybody celebrates everybody. So I don't know. That's what's cool about it. Like, you know, I've ran a marathon and I finished the marathon and I've only ever ran one, but I finished the marathon and like there was people there cheering, but for the most part, it was like my friends that were cheering for me. But like, you know, on ultras, it's just like every single person is there and cheering and clapping and screaming. And it's just like, I don't know. It's it's something it's, it's weird. Like these guys have no idea who I am. And like, I'm coming in 20 minutes before the, the final cutoff and but like everybody's cheering for me and they have no idea. And they just see, you know, they see your bib and they're like, Oh cool. He's a runner. Like let's cheer him on. And I like, I love that. That's, that's yeah, and, and amazing usually, to me. And it usually isn't just a cheer. Like they're really vested in you finishing. Like they actually are. You're right. That's what I saw from the volunteering side of the races, like um, up at hidden peak um, on uh, the speed go 50 K I'm the first one to see the runners up and I'm the last one. I'm the last aid station before they come down. Um, and I saw so many runners that wanted to give up and quit at that five mile mark, before, like five miles left to finish. Right. And I watched so many of the volunteers that are there free out of their own time and the staff that are there walk people through it and just be like, Hey, look, like it's just five miles, take a seat, like get some food in you, like make that decision in like five minutes, you know, really want them to uh to win and in marathons you have people checking their clocks they're just like man when can we punch out when can we go home like that's my feeling you know yeah. when can we take down the stuff when can we wrap it up like they're shutting down the road for a period of time like like you should have done the work you know and and that's the opposite of how it feels like for me and i feel like the rd and the volunteers would say they're you know longer than what the cutoffs are just to let people finish 100 percent. yeah yeah. Yeah. So should we get into race day then? Let's do it. Let's jump okay. in an hour in. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, I feel man. like this is the biggest buildup we've ever had. People are like, can you get to the freaking story already? <laughs> yeah, sorry, man. Um, yeah, no, no, it's like, okay. I love it. I love it. <laughs> okay. So, so uh dead horse 50 K. So I signed up for it actually last year to do it last year. And I didn't pay attention to my schedule, so I wasn't able to go. I had my kids over that Thanksgiving weekend or something like that because it's pretty close to Thanksgiving. 
Um, so I re-signed up for it this year, but this time I'm like, you know what? I've watched Ryan. I've watched Sketch. I've watched how they've evolved. Like, I feel like I got a cheat sheet of how to do this um, in a way that will honor my body better. So I hired Eve as a coach up front, and I let her actually map out a game plan for me to do the Dead Horse 50K. Um, that all worked uh, solid for three months or four months. When did I book the race? I forget. Anyway, I think I had like six or seven months, maybe eight, um, maybe eight for the actual race. So the first half of my running plan I had dialed in, it was great. The second half of my uh, running plan, work went to shit. My kids' responsibilities went through the roof. Um, and it was really hard to get in my runs, um, which coach helped me out. She's just like, look, it's better that you get them on the treadmill than actually out there on the roads and stuff. Um, so I was like, okay, like the treadmill sucks, but I'm going to use that as a mental training block. And I literally probably did the back half of my training block on the treadmill, um, had some like 18 mile, 20 mile runs, uh, to get it in. So I set up my own. I just did a 20 mile on the treadmill. So I feel your pain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was an interesting experience. It was different. Because uh, it's like, you don't ever see the progress of where you've come from, right? And no, so, yeah. Just like, I don't mind it, though. Like, people are like, oh, that probably sucked. And it's like, you know, I just throw in a movie. Like, I watch Gladiator, and I watch, yeah, yeah. like, I don't know. I just turn on some movies, and I'm just, like, running. I'm like, eh, well, you know, I mean, it sucks, but, like, it was negative 30 negative 25 or 30 yeah, so that weekend. So I'm like, worse. yeah, you know, it's yeah, like, I could yeah. be outside like freezing my ass off or I could be inside wearing shorts and a t-shirt and watching gladiator. Yeah. So I'm like, there, there are positives to this treadmill running. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, it worked for me because I was like, what are the things in this back half that I can control? Like I'm heavier than I ever thought. And, and in traditional thinking, people were say, you're 261. How are you going to run this? Like, I've literally had people tell me that they're like, how are you going to do this? You're going to do damage to your body, blah, 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 blah. Um, well, I focused on fueling on my runs. Who really dials in fueling for a 50K? There's not very many people that have run their first 50K that really focus in on fueling. And I knew that I um, were spent, was going to spend a lot of time on my feet. And so I wanted to make sure that I had that piece at least dialed in. So I set up a little table as my aid station. It was really cool because my kids all of a sudden thought it was cool that I was doing this thing in the basement. So they would like, <laughs> they were like my crew. So they would like bring me shit when I needed it. Um, I had like a jug that was my urinal so that I could literally just piss right there on the fucking treadmill. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. That's I'm hardcore. Like, I'm like, dude, if I'm doing this, like, my biggest thing, my biggest thing, the whole training block for this is like, I know I can get through it. I just don't want to stop. Like, I don't want to have to do the stop and then start. Like, that was yeah. my big thing. And I really worked on my my fueling as well. So that brings us to a week before race day. And um, I had a Nerf gun war in my house. Justin, I don't know if you heard this story, but I was... I did. I, I was having this Nerf gun war in my house with my kids, and I just had convinced Sketch to come out, fly out. He bought a ticket, flew out. He was going to be there at my 50K because my wife wasn't going to be able to be there. And honestly, I didn't want to have in the back of my brain, how am I going to drive home after my body just feels like shit after this whole experience, right? I don't want to have that in my mind while I'm running. So Sketch flew out um, and worked that out, which was awesome. Um, 
but he just booked his flight and I'm having this Nerf gun war with my taper week with my kids and I'm in socks and I have hardwood floors totally slip and fall while I'm like running and fall directly on my knee. And instantly my knee was all bruised and everything was swollen. And I literally at that moment, my wife was like, how are you doing? And I'm like, well, I don't feel the pain yet. But I was like, I need you to look at it because I don't, I, I couldn't fathom that I put in all this work and I fucking ruined my race. Like I didn't want to deal with that. And sure enough, it was bruised already. Um, so then I had to call coach and tell her that I was being a little irresponsible. Uh, <laughs> but I didn't know it. I was just like shooting Nerf guns, right? And so, um, anyway, um, and at that moment, I was distracted with work shit too. So anyway, that's a week before the race. And then I started kind of troubleshooting. I'm like, well, what are the things I can control? Like, I know I got nutrition dialed in, um, sketches coming. So, and he flew. So that's huge motivation because the dude just bought a fucking ticket um, to fly out here. And I've got to somehow pull this off. Right. And so then comes race day. Uh, well, first off we get to Moab and maybe, um, maybe I'm too picky. I don't know, but we were looking for a good place to eat. It was definitely not like Cocodona and all the options in Arizona to eat. Um, so, and, and there's only one good place in Moab. Yeah. What, what, what place is that? Milts. Milts. Yeah. I didn't go there. So it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and sketches like sketches, plant-based vegan or something like that, whichever option that is. But and so I go there. And it's like this. It's like it's like this barbecue, like steak place, right? Oh no! And so I'm just like, okay. And the, and the steak they they advertise it as Wagyu steak, and it probably was Applebee's steak. And I'm just like, fuck. You know, I think I've been to that restaurant. I think I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. It was just like it was a dud. It was not at all what I thought it yeah, was. Yeah, hundred percent. Sorry, Moab. Oh, before that though, so we get down there and we're driving, and I'm about to run out of gas before I go to Moab. And so, like, me and Sketch are just chatting. I'm like, fuck, we're going to run out of gas. Oh, my God. And there's, there's nothing around there. Yeah, there's no, no, there's nothing. Except there's this, like, alien fucking gas station. Oh, yeah, the alien gas station. That has a Scooby-Doo <laughs> truck, right? And all this, like, weird jerky in it. And there's, like, there's this golden throne for a toilet in the bathroom. And then there's, like, the whole universe is painted on the walls. So it's the trippiest thing ever. So I go in there and pay for gas. This is a funny story because I pay cash. And they're like, how much do you want to put on gas? I'm like, 60 bucks. I go out and fill my tank. It was seven fucking bucks a gallon for gas there. It was like nothing. It was literally the spot that nobody thinks about, obviously, and runs out of gas and has to go there and pays seven fucking bucks a gallon. So anyway, that was the start of the race. Then we got the good food, which wasn't good food. Um, The non-Wagyu steak. um, And... (laughs) Um, it was getting later and, um, sketch sketch had some shit that he had going on too. So it was just, we kind of threw together at least getting there, but then we got, um, I brought all my fuel with me as far as I was using spring energy, um, and then tailwind to fuel, um, for my race. I brought all that stuff with me. I knew it's a 50 K, but I knew that I'm bigger. I have a slower pace. I've put my work and energy into fueling. Um, that's something I can control for the race, right? So get all that packed up the night before, um, roll out that next morning, get to the race. There's a lot more people there running than um, I thought. Um, just looking at ultra sign up right now, I think uh, 
there was 347 people that ran the 50k i was wow. 347 which we'll talk about that here <laughs> um, i love it well, yeah, dude, it was it was rad. That that part gets exciting. That's part of my motivation for this. But um, so we get to the race, and I'm looking around at everybody. I think that's the natural human being aspect, where it's like you've got your shit dialed in, you're doing your own thing, and then you see kind of what other people are doing. It's my first 50k, and I remember looking at sketch. I'm like, man, everybody's everybody's uh, uh, stuff is pretty light. And even sketch was like, Hey man, like, I think maybe you did a Pinhoti thing. At first we were kind of second guessing this stuff. He wasn't as much as I was where I'm like, did I pack too much? And then I went back to my training plan. I'm like, but I trained this way. So it doesn't even fucking matter. If I made a mistake where I'm carrying too much, it doesn't fucking matter. This is how I trained. Right. And I had poles. Most people didn't have poles. Um, I was carrying all my tailwind. Um, for the race to get me through and all my spring energies. Um, You're carrying so, every single bit of them? Like, yeah, I carried all of it. Cause that's wow. how I trained. And, and the thing was, that was the best thing for me. Um, I love the dead horse 50 K. I love their staff and all that. The aid station sucked. Um, I got to the aid stations. The electrolyte was Gatorade. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, there was like chips and Oreos and stuff like that. There was nothing really substantial. And for me, like I was out there for a minute, I figured my time off of 10 hours. Um, I was so glad I had all of my shit because I blew through. I just, my mindset was I got my rhythm of what I do. I'm going to run my own race. And um, I decided to go with the second wave. Um, by going in the second wave, I settled into last place right away. I already knew I was dead last, but I wanted to run my own race. And the approach I had was I had to stay under 20 minutes for pace. As long as I stayed under 20 minutes, I was buying time for the future, right? Mm -hmm. And so I just took it that way. I didn't even know which mile I was at for the whole fucking race. I was just, every time my Garmin would buzz, I'm like, was I under 20 minutes? That's That was my approach that I took to the race. Um, aid station two, I got to... Um, once again, when I got to that aid station, it wasn't like other volunteer things. And I think this is a spillover from COVID. There wasn't much help. It was like, this is the stuff we're providing you. And it was kind of like, I had to work through and fill all of my shit, right? Yeah. So then I was like, oh, this isn't what I expected, you know? Um. Anyway, aid station two, I come out of. And um, that's when I shot the live video, Justin. And I was like, Oh, feeling great. Like, this is awesome. Like, it was flat <laughs> to me. I was in the middle of the fucking desert and I was all by myself. Um, before that, though, this is where the shit story comes in that is pretty crazy. But I thought I was going to have the shits for the whole race because I just had to go. And this is Moab. It's fully exposed. Like, <laughs> all the people out there that are like, dig your shit or like, bury your shit. It's like, where when there's slick rock everywhere. Like it just is a thing that somebody needs to write a book about because I don't have it figured out. So <laughs> um, anyway, so I'm right there and there's just like fucking sagebrush and rock that you're on. So I just weasel my way to the back and literally taking a dump and there's like people <laughs> everywhere. But before I'm going to take this, before I go to take the shit, I'm like, I think it was you, Justin, saying something about moving your bag. Somebody said something. I about did. Yeah, I did. Away. I and did. I'm like, okay, I'm about to take this shit and I need to have this bag away because it's going to be explosive, right? So I need to like move this 
that so spring like, energy that spring energy gets you <laughs> yeah so i had it like far away i go to take my shit responsibly no place to bury it forgive me for all you people out there it's just solid rock like so i just tuck it away you know under the sagebrush and i go to pick up my pack and put it back on and look at my watch because i have this regimen of when i got to take my water and all this stuff to make sure i'm hydrated and right away i go to put my um i have uh the camel back on there and i go to take some water and there's like there's this texture from my fucking like like mouthpiece thing <laughs> <laughs> i fucking look down and it's brown i'm like what the fuck is this and i throw the the nozzle like out of my mouth and then i realize it's the chia seed like spring energy shit that's all over it it was the most defiling experience because I totally thought <laughs> shit all over this thing. And I just <laughs> took it to my mouth and it was fucking spring, spring energy chia. Like, oh my gosh. So anyway, I got that out. Thank God I didn't have to shit anymore. So uh, the reason I told you to move yours away from, because yeah. I actually did do that. Yeah. yeah like yeah. I literally shit on my pack. And I got to the aid station and my, I said, hey, I need some wipes from my wife. I'm like, there's, I don't know what's all of this. Oh, <laughs> Bethany tells it really well. Yeah, no, that's the thing is like, it was you saying that that gave me the mindset to move it away. But it was like this weird, like sick joke in my personality that of course me trying so hard to do it the right way, it would come across that I think I'm like eating shit, right? So anyway... Um, so I got the shits out. I didn't eat my shit. Thank God. Um, and I moved on. Um, and I didn't have to shit again for the rest of the race, which was really good. That made me really happy. Um, yeah. So, I mean, do you guys have any more questions? Do I need to keep going? We're, we're at, we're at what? Keep going. Just all right cool. keep going all right sorry man i feel like it's just, just getting interesting yeah we're just getting there let's go yeah so okay. <laughs> all right guys that's the end of the podcast thank you very much <laughs> he did not shit on himself <laughs> I, I didn't shit on myself i didn't eat my shit would have been a photo <laughs> um uh what so mile was this at you know that was i guess you don't know so it would have been it would have been short into the race. It would have been under eight miles into the race. It's <laughs> like mile two. <laughs> no, no, because it would have been it would have been like seven or eight. Because I was really concerned I was going to have the shits for the whole rest of the fucking race. It was for sure before it was for sure before aid station two. Um, oh. And so so then aid station two. So then aids going from aid station two. Now I'm not having any shits. Thank God. Um, going from aid station two and making it and heading over to sketch. Um, he was at aid station three. And so, um, that's where I was frolicking in the wilderness and, uh, and sounding all happy. And I was all alone in the, like, there was no slick rock. It was beautiful for me because <laughs> it was flat and it was just kind of, <laughs> it was great. Um, I get into aid station three coming up into aid station three. It really sucked because, or maybe it was going into aid station two. There was, there was multiple races going on that day. So I thought that, yes, I could like, I could manage my own race in the back and be dead last. But then all of a sudden all these other fucking runners started coming. 
And then what they would do is like, there's lines painted on all the rocks. Like some parts have flags, but 98% of this course is the fucking slick rock that will drive yourself crazy. And so they have like these painted dashes or whatever of the actual public trails. And so I'm like watching that. Well, then I had these faster runners. I don't know if it was, it wasn't 50 milers yet. It might've been like 30 K people. They were nice and fresh and they're like blowing by me, but then they would stop once they got past me and they'd be like, wait, where's the trail? And so then I was starting to have like this fucking, like, leave me the fuck alone. I had this dialed in. I got my shits out. I was all by myself. Like get the fuck (laughs) out of my way. It was a really dark time for me because it was the slick rock. And with the slick rock, you can think the profile is going downhill. But the way the slick rock goes is it's all wavy and shit. So your step down might actually feel like a step up. And you're just like, for me anyway, in my experience level, that was melting my snowflake a little bit. Um, (laughs) And so, um, but anyway, I made it through there. And then I finally could tell I was coming to the aid station and sketch was there at that aid station three, which was really good for me because I think at that point, my camelback was empty and I needed stuff swapped out and the slick rock, just like, I hated it. Um, So sketch got me switched out with some stuff, took a leak there, um, went to use the porta potty as a responsible human being. It was full. So I just peed off to the side of it. For some reason, <laughs> that that's uncomfortable. For me, I'm like, we're in ultra. I have to go to the bathroom. I'm not going to fucking hold it. I'm out here like all miserable anyway. I just shit on slick rock in front of everybody. Couldn't <laughs> it. It's like, I don't understand what the fucking problem is, right? So whatever. And there's a, there's a finish line story to that too, which for some reason was a problem. But anyway, so then... Now what happens is the next aid station from aid station three, that's the cutoff. I have to be there by 2.30. At that time, I didn't even know what mile it was. I wasn't managing miles. I was just managing minutes. As long as I was under 20 minutes, I felt like I was okay because I was banking time. That next section um, was rugged. Sketch said, there's... Um, hey, if you can pick up the pace, that that would be good, but you're doing great, right? He basically lied to me and told me yeah. he needed to come fast at the same fucking time, right? So I mean, <laughs> hey, you're, doing up. you're doing good, but you need to speed up. Yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> right on, coach. And so I give the feedback to Sketch, and I'm like, great. As long as there's not slick rock, I can run it. My legs feel great. Um, the knee problem that I had, my body was holding up really good. My mind wasn't gone. My body was holding up really strong. I was really impressed with that but I was learning that I could power hike faster than I could run. If I ran, then my knees were taking a pounding and I would be injured soon because of the issue that I have with my knee. So I was just like, as long as there's not um, slick rock, I can run. If there's slick rock, I'm not running. I'm power hiking the shit out of that. So that's what I did. Um, Sketch told me before he sent me off telling me to go fast, but I'm doing good. He's like, well, there's just a little bit of slick rock ahead of you because you get to hear the vibes of all the runners as they go on. There was the whole fucking thing with Slick Rock, and it was <laughs> grueling. And my 20-minute countdown time, I started losing time at this part of the race. I was pulling in 23s, 26s. I was getting a little worried. Um, I completely forgot about the uh, I completely forgot about the cutoff time at that point. I was just focused on putting one foot in front of the other. I was chugging caffeine at that point um, because that was the point that I wanted caffeine because I've heard that it can somehow or sometimes help with pain. But also I know that like if I have to get shit done 
at any time of the day I can drink a fucking Red Bull and I can make it through. Like that yeah. was my approach. So I hammered, um, uh, I forget what it's called, nanohydrate, um, uh, some good shit that a buddy of mine came up with. So I chugged that and then I just muscled through the slick rock. And then I'm like, where's this fucking aid station? Like when I feel like I've been out here forever and I just happened to look at my watch. I saw a dirt road and I'm like, okay, so I see a dirt road. The aid station's got to be close. And I look at my watch and sure enough, it's fucking 2.15. And I look up the sign and it says 0.8 miles to wherever. I don't even know if that's the fucking aid station. I'm assuming that's the aid station. I'm like, I have got 15 minutes before the fucking cutoff. So I immediately just take my shit and I just start running as fast as I fucking can for as long as I can down that road. Cause I'm like, I have to make the fucking cutoff. And I ran about halfway there and then I'm like, okay, like I need to recover. So I'm going to power walk. And then I had pegged this ridge that when I got to this ridge, no matter what, I was going to run it in home. Um, cause I was running at that time. And I just came off of a 26 minute mile cause of the slick rock and shit. And now I'm like, I'm point eight miles away and I don't know if the aid station is really there. So I got to book it. And, um, so I had this eye on this ridge that I was just going to run it in. And right before I got to this ridge, this 50 miler guy that's been out there way longer than I have passes me, but he gets right to that ridge. And for whatever reason, I just like, I clicked in gear and that was my point that I was going to sprint. And I fucking ran it all the way in and I had like four or five minutes to spare coming into that aid station, which was huge for me. And my legs felt great because I could finally fucking run because I wasn't on slick rock. Um, I looked at my Garmin afterwards. I was at like eight or nine miles an hour for that little segment. So that was pretty cool. That was a huge win for me. Um, I was feeling uh, really good there. I was saying all kinds of curses and dirty words to sketch. And what um, mile is this at? This would have been close to mile 20, I feel like. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I had I had 10 miles to go from there to the finish. Okay. 10 miles to go. Um, so I made that cutoff. I had five miles to the next aid station. More wonderful slick rock. <laughs> I head out, out of there, and it's just nonstop. Like, and you're going in these ravines and shit and the slick rock. Then I finally, I'm like, okay, I made it. I got to like... I. I had it dialed in where I'm like, I'm not going to use my phone. I'm not taking pictures. I'm not looking at social media because I know I'm already running up against the uh, cutoff. So I'm like, I have to stay moving nonstop. But sure enough, I get to this cliff and I'm like, I just want to take a funny picture. So I wanted to have my feet at the edge and just have a picture looking down. Well, that was the first time outside of aid stations that I actually stopped. My legs were shaking so much. I felt like I was going to fall off. And I was like, no, nah, never mind. And I just kept going. And I was like, no, oh, this is bad. This is horrible, right? Um, so then at this time, now I am in the cycle of all these 50-miler runners. And I'm realizing that now. So now I'm kind of like taking on this whole like, I've been out here longer than anybody. Like, this is the shit right now. Is everybody can say they took first or fast and all this other shit but I'm a fatty and I've got like more time on my legs than any other person in the 50 K. And I started switching my mind to use that as fuel. Right. And so I was just putting one foot in front of the other. I was feeling really good, feeling strong mentally, 50 milers were passing me and I was cheering them on, which was really cool experience because they're like, dude, this guy's dying out here. 
And the funny thing <laughs> is they probably think I'm a 50 miler out here dying. It's like, no worse. I'm a 50 K out here dying. Like <laughs> you've been out here all day, like putting up 50 miles. I've been out here all day putting up like 31, you know? And, uh, <laughs> so that was pretty cool, but I knew all of a sudden I was supposed to be close to the aid station. And I regret this afterwards. I should have dropped the, uh, GPX file on my Garmin. I didn't, I knew better. I should have. Um, but at the end, I was following these other people and they just have these hashtags painted on the um, slick rock um, and some flags, blue flags. But I, I stopped seeing flags and all I saw was these dashes. And so I was with a group of people and they cut back for some reason. And then I had other people that were with me behind me. And so they're like, hey, I'm like, wait, where am I supposed to go? Like I see tags or whatever, but I, I don't think we're going the right way. And they're like, the aid station is just on the other side of you. So just keep going that way or whatever. So I'm like, okay, cool. Well, I go to the aid, where the aid station is. There's a fucking hundred foot cliff at the edge and I can see the aid station. Oh, <laughs> I don't no. know how to get to it. Right. But I can see the fucking aid station. Well, then I turn around and all the people that told me to go that direction have already found the route, but they didn't tell me anything. No. So now I'm like, dude, I'm racing cutoffs. I go to pick up my phone. It, there's no service. And then I have no GPX file. I'm in the fucking desert. So normally I would have processed that differently if I really thought I was lost. I would have paid attention to the direction I came from. But since I thought I was heading in the way that I was in the right way, I didn't pay much attention. So when I came back, there was two lines with dashes. And now I'm like, fuck, where am I? So anyway, I got really pissed. One, I didn't understand why runners would knowingly tell me to go a direction and then they find the correct route and not yell or say something. That one threw me off a little bit. And now all of a sudden, it was fucking with my race because I knew I was running against cutoffs. And I knew that I had it in the bag as long as I, I finished it out. So I'm like, fuck, what do I do? So finally, I found the route back. I get down through it. Right before I get to the aid station, they're dumping the water to the aid station. And I'm like, fuck. I'm like, they're going to cut me. And I, I, I probably burned up an extra hour with that whole thing. So not saying this is the smartest idea. But from volunteering with races and knowing how all these things go and how runners are accounted for, I'm like, there's 50 milers out there. They're just going to think I'm a 50 miler. So I'm not going to tell them I'm a 50K. I'm just going to run through that aid station and just go to the finish. Um, so I did that. The only thing is I got probably two miles down from there, which would have left me with like four or so miles left to the finish. I ran out of water. I didn't have any of my fuel. I didn't have a headlamp. All the things that I thought that I should have had in the beginning that Sketch and I both ruled out, they were like, no, it's 50K, but we're not like, oh, it's John running a 50K. <laughs> so, like, I don't have a fucking headlamp. I don't have fuel. I figured it off of 10 hours. I was out there for 12 hours total. I'm like, shit, right? So I'm like, okay, well, I got to finish. I have no option. So I'm just going, I have no reception on my fucking phone. And as I'm going, I just barely listened to a podcast about hypothermia and like the whole thing that happened in China and all that stuff with yeah. those runners. And I'm like, I have never had problems taking risks in my life, but I'm like, wait, am I being a little stupid pushing because they probably don't know there's a 50 K runner out here. 
it's black, it's dark, it's cold. I don't have fuel. My phone doesn't have service. My phone's going to die. So I do this Hail Mary call to Sketch, who's at the finish line. And I tell him, I'm like, dude, man, like I told, I just blitzed him. It was a fire hose. I'm like, these fuckers told me to go this direction. They left me stranded. I got lost. I'm just giving them a fire hose of information. And I'm like, dude, I don't have fuel. I don't have a good warm coat. I don't have a headlamp. I'm, I might, I'm worried about being hypothermic and not thinking straight. And his answer to me was, bro, but you got four miles. I'm like, did you fucking not hear what I said? Are you going to tell my wife I died out here and I got ran? I was not having any of that conversation. And, And after we replayed it, all he heard was, I'm lost, this and that. Like, they're trying, they're like, hey, can you send us? your pin and i'm like sending them like f-bombs i'm like fuck you like my phone's gonna die no i'm not gonna send you a fucking pin i'm <laughs> on the road like i kept telling them i'm on the road the main road like i just need somebody to know where i'm at like that was my main thing and so anyway like i kept continuing on there's 50 milers out there behind me and all i could think of is i got the stupid tag nobody really knows where i'm at because it's not an rfid tag like if it is, it's not like GPS located. So they don't know exactly where I'm at. They yeah. know I finished the race. Right. And so, um, I go out there and all I have is pitch black, no headlamp. There's a cliff wall to my left and there's a cliff to my right. So I'm hugging the cliff to my left. So I don't go off the cliff to my right. And I'm just kind of like shuffling to bring it in. Very long story short, the race director, I ended up being dead fucking last. The race director was in his truck behind me with his lights. Came down into the race to bring it home. And the race director is an amazing human being. Um, I, Cause the, the other thing that I was so pissed about, I felt like I got robbed. Cause I'm like, I just did all this work. I'm not going to get a fucking medal. Like this is bullshit. Like I was so mad. They bring me in. There's like 30 people cheering at the end. I brought, I brought it home and I finished. And I didn't sit down the whole fucking race, which was a huge thing for me. And um, that's the race for however many hours we are. That's my experience at the race. At the end of the race, I had to pee so bad, but the dude behind me was there with the lights. And I'm like, I don't want him to think I'm just milking this. So I'm like, I got to finish. When I got to the finish line, I just like turned a corner to go pee. And everybody's like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, fuck i just want to fucking pee like there's nothing wrong with it i just finished this fucking race but yeah so that's that's a wrap for the race what was your time um it was 12 hours and 17 minutes nice Nice. i like it i like that yeah i I have the course record for dead last like that was (laughs) like just give just give me all the accolades i was did you get anything cool for dfl or what no i I got a medal and I, I thought it was going to say 50 K on it. It just said ultra races. I was like, Oh man, like, I don't know. Sometimes but, like races do something cool for, for DFLs. Yeah, no, but I mean, I did something cool. I thought I ate shit. I didn't. And I totally blasted through an aid station and almost got hypothermic and die. And sketch was just like four miles more, bud. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably what you needed to hear though. Yeah, yeah, it amped me up. Like, you were looking for sympathy, and he was like, no, bro, you got four miles. Suck it out. Let's go. Yeah. He's like, come on, you've done this many times. It's just four miles. <laughs> yeah, totally. It was, it was special, man. It was really special. 
That's awesome. You know, I think that your story, we've had people on here that are elites to multiple hundred milers, but like, I think your story is going to resonate with more people than what you may think. Cause yeah, you know, most of us are just out there just, you know, this is a hobby for us. We go out, we run, we, we do races. Like we come in whenever we come in, we, you know, we, we just do it for fun. Like collect medals, collect buckles, whatever you want to call it. Like, have you, have you ever got this, the thing, like, you don't look like a runner. Have you ever, have you ever heard that? Oh, definitely. You should, you, even, even with uh, the people I work with and things like that, they just kind of give me a double take where they're like, really, you're doing that? Or even at the doctor, I'm like, well, I got this event coming up and they're like, eh, I don't know if you should really do that. Right? Yeah. That sounds a little irresponsible. Even <laughs> while I was on the course, honestly, like there's people going by me and they're like, is this your first event? And I was just using that as fuel. I was like, well, yeah, but like I put in the work, like I knew that yeah. I could do it. Um, I just needed to run my race, you know? Yeah. But, and that's, that's crazy that like we, we do that to each other because that's, that's us literally as runners doing that to other runners, like, you know, yeah. or maybe not all other runners doing it to other runners, but it's like, I don't know. When you change that mindset, they're like, we're all athletes, like regardless of what your body looks like, who cares? Yeah. I've known some incredible people that can run very fast, you know, big races that don't look like your typical quote unquote runners, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're never going to see me take my shirt off at a race. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you'll see me do it and I might run in the speedo, but it's not going to be pleasant. Like, <laughs> but, but I mean, but that's, the, that's the whole, that's the whole thing. I even kind of tested my own old thinking on that, right? Because it's like, I used to be able to run fast. When I ran fast, could I have done 31 miles? The fact yeah. that I could be 100 pounds heavier and go through with that. And sure, I was sore the next day. Like, I, I had one little blister. I didn't lose any toenails or anything like that. But, like, after a week, I was good to go. I mean, yeah. I ended up getting sick. That threw a wrench in the mix. But... I really tested that whole mindset of like separating fitness from the weight and all that other stuff, you know? Yeah. No, that's really good. That's really good. I just think well, the mindset needs to change that we're, you know, we're all runners. We're all athletes. Like who cares what you look like? If you, if you have a dream and you want to go chase your dream, go for it. Yeah, definitely. 100%. You know, we always say that it's, you know, ultras are 90% mental and 10% physical. <clears throat> you just showed it right there. I mean, you, you knew before you started the race that you were going to finish. You didn't care what it was going to be, how you had to do it. Then I want—I wanted to go back to where you talked about. Um, you carried all your nutrition. Well, until you ran out or didn't get it. <laughs> that that I've been at many races and volunteers where people don't carry their nutrition. They show up and depend on an aid station, and sometimes stuff just runs out. I got to give you props for that. I mean. For you to go out there for your first ultra and go like, I'm going to carry all my shit. Yeah. A lot of runners don't do that. They're like, I'm going to be as light as I can and I'm going to depend on the aid station. But you had that mindset, hey, I'm going to be out here for a long time. I got to carry everything on me. Yeah. I just want to give you huge props for that. I've, I've just seen that way too many times. And I've been in races where the race director stands up and goes, I don't have your shit. So you can need to carry all your shit. You know, I don't have your spring energy. Yeah, I got Oreos or something, you know, and uh, 
Yeah, That's no, cool. thank you. Like, honestly, if I didn't, like, looking back now, if I didn't, I, I wouldn't have finished. I, I don't, I really don't think I would have finished. I don't know how I would have. Um, I, as a big guy, I burned tons of calories. Like, I would have had to eat, like, everything they had on the fucking table to, like, maintain. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, thanks. And I feel like that's one yeah. thing that people don't really think about is like, you know, the heavier you are as a runner, like you're going to consume more calories and you need to consume more calories to move your, be able to move your body. And I'm sure you had that dial down to, to a science. Like I, it was funny. I was running a 20 miler on the treadmill the other day and somebody walked in and it just happened to be when I was taking my nutrition break and I was eating a pop tart on the treadmill. And they're like, what are you doing? Like, I know how this looks, I promise you, but <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fuel for my run and then i even did uh you know a funny story about how i ate a christmas tree little debbie's or a big deborah's it was actually yeah. a big deborah christmas tree but like you know you can't look at it like oh my gosh that's 300 calories like you have to look at it like that's that's fuel for your body yeah i get it sugar but that's fuel yeah, for your body through that run so I, yeah, yeah yeah that's the thing i didn't realize is how important sugar actually is on your runs like there's a lot yeah. of people that mistake that so like uh i exposed sketch to like crack for ultra runners um it's like freeze-dry skittles no oh, those are yeah they're like <laughs> they all like crystallized so it's like a good texture yeah. too, instead of the chewy and like that was that was my like there's certain times that from running on the treadmill i was able to understand myself of when i was starting to get a little ornery i would just like take the freeze-dry Skittles or the Reese's peanut butter cup or uh, uh, Reese's pieces or whatever. Yeah. But, but I never would have thought that before I would have thought, Oh man, you're putting something harmful into your body, but it's like, no man, this big boy needs to move. Like, yeah. Yeah. The, the kind of way that I kind of keep track of like what I eat throughout the days, I literally track everything that I eat. It just kind of works for me and it's what I like to do, but I don't even track the food that I eat during a run because it it doesn't matter. It's literally it's burnt. And, and this is my opinion. This is not a professional opinion by any means, but it it's literally it's gone. I mean, the yeah. run I did on s this last weekend was, you know, a 3000 calorie run and I may have eaten like 11, 1200 calories. So it's like, yeah. I, I don't even count. I don't even count those. Like it doesn't matter to me. And this is just what works for me. People are going to be like, Oh, you don't count. You count calories. Like who cares that that's what works for me. And that's what I do. But yeah, well, um, I, I run to eat. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I do as well. I just, I don't know. My knees start to hurt when I get like past a certain weight and I'm like, ah, so I got to like watch what I eat. Don't get me wrong. I'll still eat cake almost every day, but I sacrifice something else to eat cake. Cause I really like cake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you know, I don't, I don't care. I eat what I want, but I just keep track of everything that I eat. And so I try to just stay under a certain caloric uh intake throughout the day that's just what i do but i don't track what i eat during a run so like it's a free-for-all at that point but i just do 60 grams of carbs an hour and that's kind of what works for me yeah and so yeah, yeah. but spring energy is a big part of that too you know it's like so it's you know i don't know kind of a tangent there but screw yeah. you guys i made my pop tarts no that's the way <laughs> i see it and i mean but i've seen it as an uh, as an observer for all these different runners right so like sketch like I had a comparison and I know they're two different people, but I had the experience of watching Ryan and the experience of watching sketch and I've watched sketch in a hundred miler and I've watched him in a two fifty, and he even ran those two races differently. I mean, dude, the dude was eating full blown fucking meals at Coca which a lot of people don't do. Yeah. And, and 
that was a huge contributor to carrying him all the way through. Um, Pinhoti, same thing. Everybody told him his stomach would shut down and all that stuff, but he kept eating good quantities of food all the way through the whole fucking race. Yeah. His gut didn't shut down, and he finished. He, he negative split his 100-mile. Yeah. Like, crazy. It's crazy. Well, what do you got next? What's on the what's on the the dock for next? Um, so next, actually, for me, um, I need to talk with Coach. But um, was the Speed Go Fifty K? Nice. Um, that's the next one for me that I would like to knock off. And it, it's funny that for the first time, even the people that put on that race, they were like, "Well, you need to lose weight." And the funny thing for me is. Dude, I just went through Dead Horse at 261. I know I'm going to have things dialed in more by then. I know there's lots of vert, but I'm going to put in the work. I'm not, I don't even want that in my fucking mind. Like, yeah. I want to let my body take its natural course, but Speed Goat's going to be the next one for me. Sick. I like it. Fun. So, what kind of, go ahead, Robbie. Sorry. I just had fun. Speed Goat's fun. <laughs> I know I, I had that one on my list. I keep a list like every time on this podcast, somebody's like, oh, I ran this race or I did this. I'm like, hmm, that one sounds interesting. So I keep like a running list. But Robbie and I have this thing where we want to run an ultra in all 50 states. Like it doesn't matter if it's a 50K or 100 oh, mile or like, cool. yeah, that's kind of our thing. So like, I know it's going to take a long time to chip away at, you know, and I'll, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go out and run 700 milers or, you know, yeah, yeah. 10 50 k's a year to get it done quicker like i'm just gonna take my time and do it and you know have fun with it so i, I really like that i mean the one that i'm most excited about honestly is we'll see how my race plan works out but my first 100 miler i want to do the orca island 100 dude, um, that looks like a cool 100 i had that one on my list too that yeah that one dude like you just looked at the race video you see where it's at you ride the ferry all the way out there yeah it's like like our favorite place in the world is like oregon because it's like wisconsin mixed with utah because it's got all the green and the trees but it's all the mountains and then yeah. i look at the orca island and it's kind of like that same profile just on an island yeah um, and so that one's going to be really special um that's going to be my first hundred miler that i hopefully knock off the list so nice nice well that's uh that sounds super cool yeah like i had that one on my list too and i just i've watched videos on it like i i get on youtube and just kind of search and like check out and I'm a nerd too. Like whenever I sign up for a race, like I watch every single YouTube video that's ever been done about that race. Yeah, like that's what I, I feel like I know that race before I go there, which I don't, but. Yeah, that's what I did with Dead Horse. And the funny thing is, is if anybody told me what I saw at Dead Horse, I saw three feet in front of me. For the whole course. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like so dialed in to just finishing. I'm like, I can't take time. Like I gotta keep moving. Like that was. Oh my, my gosh. That's I can't so tell funny. you what that course looks like at all. That's hilarious. <laughs> So what kind of gear are you using? So um, my pack is uh, Solomon um, 12, I believe. And Perfect. 12. You just um, can't go wrong with the Solomon packs. I think we say that on every podcast, but. Yeah, oh, I love it. I mean, it, yeah. So I the one that I had before was the five, but of course I needed to pack more gear, but it just fits so nicely. It's so comfortable. Um, I've loaded all of um, Sketch and Ryan's packs. So that's what I used. Um, I yeah. use the Camelback um, for my water and then the um, flasks for tailwind. Perfect. Um, Sketch used all flasks. That sounded like a chore to me, um, but because he showed, he put them in the back. But yeah, I use the Camelback and the flasks on the side for tailwind. Um, shoes, I wore the Lone Peaks, Ultra Lone Peaks. 
um, socks. I used Stan socks that had, um, they were Star Wars version. Not the dress socks though, right? (laughs) (laughs) Robbie went out in dress socks and ran a 15 miler this weekend. He's like, I got hot spots and I don't know why. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, I didn't wear dress socks. I, I, I used Stan socks and they worked beautiful for me. I didn't have like a bunch of blisters and stuff. They had, um, they had all of the, um, dark sides. I can't think straight, but the ATAT walkers. On oh them. yeah. Yeah. Um, and then shorts, I just had under armor shorts. Um, I don't know, like, I don't know what people use for like running shorts. I know that people talk about all the different stuff. I just wear under armor shorts and I fucking butter up like crazy and go on the buff. That's how I run. Nice. Um, and then I, had poles. My poles are the Lecky poles or whatever. Oh yeah, Lecky. They're awesome. I love those fuckers. Um, and then what else did I have? I had Gooder sunglasses um, that were bright yellow and don't have a bridge in between, so the lens goes all the way through. Nice. And uh, yeah, what I have? I think I had a ra- rabbit shirt. Um, Rabbit does make some good shirts. I love their shirts are just like butter. They're awesome. Yeah, Yeah, I love them. I didn't even know about Rabbit existing until you talked about it in our Krusty call, actually. Really? And so that's when I started experience. I love their stuff. Um, Yeah, their their stuff is pretty phenomenal. I'm a big fan of. I have a couple of them to be honest with you, but yeah, and I think that's a it's pretty much a wrap for my gear. I think sweet. Well, hey, we're trying to grow our network. So we always ask our guests, like, who's somebody that we should interview? They don't technically have to be a runner or a, you know, anyone in the field of running. They could be someone who's just done something really cool, you know, who has a cool story that may maybe make us laugh and our audience laugh. So who's somebody that you think that, you know, we should have on? Yeah, so um, I don't know if this was already repeated. I don't know who sketched throughout the universe on his because I haven't listened to that one yet. But I would go with Jess Vandenbush or Jessica Vandenbush. She um, writes the Eat Clean, Run Dirty uh, magazine, which is for the runners, by the runners. I think she's still throwing that out there, but she also does an Eat Clean, Run Dirty podcast. She runs all the hardest races out there, um, and she's an awesome human being. So that's who I would reach out to. I think she's also run uh, doing a um, – She's also doing like a documentary, I believe, right now for, um, uh, forget the lady's name, but a woman runner who has kids and all this other stuff, uh, appealing to the community out there of women. That's like, you can have kids and all this other stuff, but um, women can still go out there and do the same shit guys can without, um, anyway, she's she's an awesome human being. So just Ben and Bush. Yeah, uh, he did mention her as well. So we'll definitely have to hit her up and have her on. Okay, cool. And if it's not her, and we need to talk about somebody else, then I would say Chris Cargyle. Did he did he mention him at all? I don't know know if Chris. I don't know if Chris. Um, he kind of is out there guiding people and stuff like that. Dude, he is awesome when it co- talks when you talk about taking care of feet and body care and stuff like that. He went and got his EMT certification um, to come help educate like uh, race directors and stuff that are putting on events of how to um, 
take care of your people and facilitate them in a better way. Um, yeah, that's cool. Awesome human being. He flies under the radar. Um, but one of my favorite people on the planet, he's the one that um, exposed me to ultra running, took me out, well, with along with Sketch, but then took me out on some buttery trails that were fucking wicked and wasted my life. <laughs> with margaritas afterwards. Um, I love that, would it. Be, that would be the second. Sweet. Well, hey, John, uh, your story has been fantastic, and I can't wait for it to come out for everyone else to hear it. Uh, yeah. Just just a true example of what a trail runner is, honestly. And so, um, you know, thank you from from both of us that, well, I mean, I guess Robbie can speak for himself and say thank you, but... <laughs> But dude, this is uh this has been a great podcast. Honestly, like I think you're our true first like back of the pack ultra runner to have on the podcast. So, um, thanks, bro. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity, guys. It was yeah, cool. man. Well, yeah, keep chugging away. Yeah, keep chugging away, man. I can't wait to maybe have you back on and hear about that orca hundred miler. Yeah, dude, man, I'm so stoked for that. Um, and I have a career change, so I have more time to get actually feet to the to the trail so we'll see what yeah awesome all right well uh thank you everybody for listening i guess uh we're out thank you for listening this podcast has been produced and edited by backbeat sound come and find us on instagram at backbeat sound 1776 or email us at backbeat sound 1776 at gmail.com